everybody. Oh, that was weak. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Pastor Derek, and if you're new to Connect, I just want to welcome you, and uh, let me explain why we just did that. <laughs> if you're new and it's just kind of not making sense, um, we determined to do a series. We've entitled it Remix, where we will take kind of, uh, you know, pop culture songs, things that you hear on the radio as a springboard for the study of Scripture. Jesus was the master communicator, and he would always take things that happened in culture to use them as illustrations to communicate powerful truths and principles uh, from God. And so we're simply doing the same thing. In fact, in the past, we've actually taken movies, and we've taken something that we all love, we all see, we all can connect with, sometimes on a multi-sensory level, and kind of turn it into a modern parable to communicate what God would want to say to us and, and how it connects with us. And we're just taking music. I think music touches the heart uh, strings better than almost anything that we can see or experience on this side of heaven. Amen. And so that's what we're doing. This particular song, Just the Way You Are, was written not by Bruno Mars. It was actually his, that's his stage name. His real name is, uh, his real name is uh, Peter Juan Hernandez. 
And so you didn't know that, did you? You know, so uh, you gotta you gotta get a little bit of the history there. But it was a it was a song that came out in 2010, and it would just it hit the the charts at number one. It was number one for 48 weeks straight, sold millions of copies uh, around the world. Uh, incredibly popular song, won you know Grammys and such. But this is a powerful song that was designed to touch the heart of a woman in particular. And I don't know what woman wouldn't want to hear words like that. I mean, think about some of these lyrics, right, ladies? When I see your face, there's nothing that I would change because you're amazing just the way you are. When I see you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while because you're amazing just the way you are. Come on, look at your ladies, everybody. And guys, don't look at ladies that are not yours. That would be really weird and creepy. <laughs> you're like, hey, this is an opportunity. Can I get your number? No, 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 no. Billboard magazine uh, said this about the song. It says, Mars, Bruno Mars, pens lyrics that aim to make female listeners feel nothing short of perfect in their own skin. And so whether you're 16 all the way to 61, it touches kind of those heartstrings. And Mars, he knew that when these, when these lyrics were wrote. In fact, he said, let's be honest, what woman doesn't want to hear lyrics like that? And, and I know this song is probably pre predominantly designed, clearly and primarily designed to kind of incite romance uh, between, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, a, a spouse to spouse and things like that. But I, I was looking at this when the first time I ever heard this was through the lens of a parent. How many of your parents? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. How many of you are the offspring of a parent? Raise your hand. Some of you are really confused right now. You're all offspring of parents. Hopefully, <laughs> okay. But I was looking at it through the lens of a parent. I remember the first time I ever heard this song, I was actually driving in the car with one of my girls and I kind of teared up because I was like, you know, that's how, I feel about, that's how I feel about my kids. That's how I feel about them. And, and, and I think that way, you know, at a core level, I think they're just amazing, you know, just the way they are. I, there's nothing I wouldn't change. Well, maybe a few things I'd change. But <laughs> underneath that thought is, is this deep down, like, I just love them, you know? You, they do no wrong. You just, you just, you're just enthralled with your children. Anybody know what I'm talking about, how you can get that way? And recently, I was going to see my oldest daughter in Birmingham, Alabama, and just this last week. And I was, um, I was you know, when in, in, in days gone by, we would have a picture of our kid in our wallet, and we'd pull it out just to kind of reflect on them. And if you were going to visit them, you might look at them and you know, refresh the image of who they are, but now we have Instagram, praise the Lord. So I was, I was looking at my, my daughter's Instagram, and I was just looking through and scrolling through some of her pictures while I was sitting uh, there in my chair on the tarmac of Logan International Airport, and, and you know, it's just, you know, it's like you get so anxious to go somewhere, and it gets even worse when, like, everything's all teed up to go. It's just air traffic control just has to say yes and we were out there, and it was, an, it was 45 minutes, and it was 50 minutes, it was 55, it was an hour just sitting out there. And I'm just thinking, when are we going to go? And I'm looking at my, my kid, and I'm just thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, she's just amazing. Look at how beautiful she is. In fact, I was looking at Facebook, and amazingly, sometimes, I don't know what the, the term is, but there was like a history. It came up like three years ago. You, you took a picture of this, and it was a picture of, of my Mallory. And it was, she was gorgeous, beautiful, blonde, bombshell blonde. And I'm looking at her, and I'm smiling. At the same time, I'm sulking and sighing because I want to get to see her. So the guy next to me is like, so, so where are you going? I noticed you're kind of a little bit, you know, you're a little bit anxious to get out here. I go, yeah, I'm definitely anxious. He goes, you got business in, in Birmingham? I said, absolutely. He goes, you got a business meeting? I said, well, you know, in, in a sort of way. He goes, what are you, who are you going to see? I go, I'm going to see my daughter. He goes, what's the business? I said, well, I'm going to meet her boyfriend. <laughs> he goes, Really? Really? What's that all about? I said, how long are you going? I go, I'm just going a couple days. Going down to meet him and come back. He goes, wow. He goes, so you're going down there to meet a guy, screening whatever you're going to do and check him out and interview and all. I go, yep. He goes, you must really love your daughter. I said, dude, I would go to Calcutta and back. I'd go to Argentina and back. I'd go to, I'd go to Alaska and back. You know, no matter who it is, I am so in love with my daughter. He's like, wow, that's incredible. Like, that's amazing. And I was thinking about, you know, if you're a parent, you understand this. I can remember with my, my parents, I grew up in a loving home. And I remember my dad, he was, he was um, you know, th there were seasons when, in particular when you play sports, where you get to see that, Judah Smith calls it the so love. So you get to see the so love of the parent when you, when you go to certain sporting events. My dad was, was that dad. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, 
He was the one that stood out amongst the rest of the crowd. He wasn't the one who was like quietly watching and just, nope, mm-mm, that wasn't my dad. My dad was the one that was yelling over the crowd. You could hear him above everybody. And if you made a shot, you know, he'd be like, that's my boy. You know, that's my boy. If the coach wasn't putting me in, he'd be like, put Derek in. He's really good. You know, dad, dad, you're not helping the situation come down and talk to me while all my friends are on the bench and pep talk me and encourage me. Why would the father do that? You know, and, and, and I thought, you know, it was then that I determined, I made a determination that I am never going to be like my father <laughs> until I had a kid. I had a son and then I had another kid and another kid. And another kid. And I tell I had four kids, and I can remember when my kids were growing up, I would look with so much love at them. You know, you remember when they're those babies and they're just so cute and cuddly, and you just want to hold them and kiss them and and just look at them. That's all you did. How many parents know what I'm talking about? You just you put them to bed, you're tired, you're exhausted. For some reason, you go back in the room to watch them sleep. It's like, what is the matter with us? Rest. But you're so in love with your kid, you can't help yourself. And I remember as they grew, I, just, I was just enthralled with them. And I tell everybody about them, talk about them. And I remember when we got into sports, just skip ahead. And, and my son got into, got into basketball. Oh, man. I became that dad. And my wife's here to attest to this, but I, w- I was that dad. I didn't sit in the crowd. I didn't sit way up in the balcony. I sat right on the floor <laughs> so I could scream out my commands and my encouragement to my one and only son, you know? If the, if the coach was pacing back and forth, I was pacing on the opposite side, counteracting his commands because he was wrong. <laughs> and I had better instruction for my kid. Crossover dribble, change of speed dribble. Come on, deny, deny. And I would yell out those things, and he'd make a shot. That's my boy! That's my boy! Did you see that? I was so enthralled with this little human that I helped create. Couldn't stop talking about him. Couldn't, couldn't, I was just goofy, crazy. You know, most of my life, I was preoccupied with being cool. It was, an, it was, it was, a, it was a priority. But when I had a kid, pfft, it, it, it just vogue and cool and all of that reputation, it just goes out the window because I was so in love with my kids. Is everybody tracking with me out there? And, and I want to tell you something that you need to hear. I remember when my son was, was playing in a basketball game, and I think it was Holliston or something like that. I don't remember the exact team. He would remember Bellingham. I don't know. They came as a home game. And it's, it's like five seconds left. We're down two points. Coach didn't have a clue because he wouldn't listen to me. And... <laughs> They put the ball in my son's hands. Just get the ball in bounds. Devin, break the press. Get over half court. Just get a shot off. That's all we got. And I remember, sure enough, he breaks the press. He gets over half court. He's barely over the half court line. People hanging all over him. Three people around him. He pulls up. Three, two, one. Drains it. And I just, the whole bench of his team came off the bench, ran to the floor. They're all, you know that ball of fish, those, that bait ball that just spins around each other that you see in like, you know, National Geographic movies and they don't know where to go, but they're all together, they're all together. That's what was happening on the court and they're all together. And finally they tried to get out through the door, but the door was locked and they all smash up into the door. And I remember running out of the stands. No other parent left the stands. But I left the stand, kind of throw my shirt over my head. I'm screaming, yeah, that's my boy. Threw myself into the mosh pit. <laughs> because I was so, so excited and so in love with my kid. I was just obsessed with my son. And, and today I want to help you see that the way I feel about my kids and the way you feel about something or someone, it pales in comparison to the way God feels about you and me. It's not even close to how he feels. I want to prove it to you. Look in your notes and your worship guides. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In other words, he cannot help himself. He cannot stop who he is. He doesn't have love. He is love. 
He doesn't do love. He is love. 1 John 4, 8 says that he is love, the embodiment of love. Not all love is God, and love is not the deity that we worship, but our God is love, and he cannot deny himself and stop loving humanity because that's who he is. It doesn't say God loved the world. It said God so loved the world. Everybody say so. So. He so loved the world. And I don't know if you believe that. I think there are people that would listen online and people that might even be in this room and think God doesn't love me like that. How could God love me like that? I'm not sure about that, PD, and that's okay. And I respect your opinion. I respect your view. All right, but I'm just telling you because of the nature of God, he will never, ever, like a parent with a, with a child, he will never stop watching you. It's like a parent when a kid goes to sleep at night, he just, he just, he just, hey, <laughs> hey, he, he can't help, I like the way he breathes, <laughs> it goes up and down like that, you know what it's like, you know, we're all his kids, I like the way he sprawls all out when he sleeps, I love that, I like, or like my wife, I like how she sleeps like that, look at that little angel, my wife really sleeps like this, it's disgusting. I'm like, I'm like an amoeba. She's just like, hee hee, just sweet, you know, angelic music playing. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, God will never stop loving you. And people for centuries have been trying to get away from it. Sometimes we act like he doesn't love us, but we know we've been actually running from him. People have been running from God, not running to God for centuries. And in our, in our rebellious, sometimes recalcitrant state, sometimes our, you know, our, 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 our just indifference, sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's covert, but I know many times we're just, we're literally just like, I know, I know God is coming for me, but just, 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 just get away from me, God, leave me alone. Many people are saying that in this phase of their life right now, and he pursues, and he keeps coming because he's obsessed with you. I remember when my son was going through his teenage years and he was in a, in a, in a rebellious state and he was having a hard time with certain things and, and, and my wife would just chase him. Devin, come here. Give mom a kiss. And she'd say, Devi poo, Devi poo. And she'd get all up and she'd like a koala bear in a koala tree try to, you will hug me. You will love. You will receive. You, you know, and she'd just grapple onto him. And he'd be, mom, stop, stop. Mom, seriously. <laughs> she couldn't help it because she, she's obsessed with her son. She loves him. God won't stop. I just want you to know that. You need to know that. It's hopeless. He's going to keep coming. Why? Because of love. Because he is love. Love is the reason you were created. Here's the big idea. We are the object of his obsession. Nothing can change that obsession. Nothing can change that. God loves the world, and that includes you, and that includes me. He loves you so, so much. It changes everything when you experience that and you have a revelation of that. In the 8th century, 750 years before the arrival of Jesus on the planet to solve what we know as the sin problem. The separation between God and man was created by sin. And so God the Father had an answer for this, to send his one and only son into the world to solve the sin problem. And God's ridiculous, radical, unconditional love shows up on full display in the 8th century, 750 years before Jesus arrived in a man known as Hosea. Everybody say Hosea. This guy is a minor prophet. And it kind of kicks off what we know as the, the stories of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. He's from the northern territory of Israel. And, and what's interesting about the prophets of the Old Testament is many times the prophets were given peculiar assignments. You can see this in the life of Isaiah and others. But I dare say that Hosea might have had one of the most peculiar, difficult, um, ridiculous, exceptional, embarrassing assignments of all. And, and most of the prophets of the Old Testament didn't just have to speak what God said, they had to live what he said, which is maybe why we don't have so many prophets today, because they're not willing to live what they say. But Hosea was. And he's going to be the 
speaker for God to Israel, and God says to Hosea, should you accept, I have an assignment for you, Hosea, and should you accept this assignment, um, it's going to change everything. Here's the assignment. If you choose to accept it, I want you to marry a harlot. I want you to marry a prostitute, Hosea. Are you listening? Huh? Excuse me? Uh, God, this, there's no way. Did you just say what I just thought you said? Did you? Yes. That's exactly what I said. No, it can't. can you imagine? That's what he asked Hosea to do. And there's not a lot of deliberation that we can see from the scriptures and discussion about it, but ultimately Hosea, in obedience, submission, hopefully both, he says, okay, and he does it. And, and he goes forward, and then he marries a prostitute, and her name is Gomer. Like, really, God? As if the assignment wasn't difficult enough? Can her name be like Priscilla, Aphrodite, you know what I mean, Kim Kardashian? I mean, could it not? Gomer. Clearly her parents didn't love her that much. And, and so he marries Gomer, and everything's going good for a while. And they have two to three kids, and, 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 and two to three years into the whole thing, it's going okay. And then one day, Hosea wakes up in the middle of the night, let's say, and, 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 and he, you know how you reach for your wife in the bed, and, 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 and you, you, it's like, if she's not there, you're kind of alarmed by that, like, you know, she's going to the bathroom, is she eating cookies and not telling anybody, like, what's going on? And, um, and so, he, and she's not there. And he gets up, and, and he goes out, and, and he goes down the hallway, and he's, you know, where's Gomer, where's Gomer? He looks in the kid room, number one, boy, no, not in the boys' room, no, no not in the girls' room. Not in, the, not in the other girl's room. Goes down the kitchen, not in the kitchen. Like, where is she? Goes to the garage. The chariot's still there. Gomer's gone. At some point, it hits him. You know, he's, he's, he's suddenly, he suddenly, it like catches on. Oh, my gosh. I know what's going on here. And he realizes that he's a single dad with two to three kids, and he's supposed to be the beacon of hope to Israel. He's known, he's probably one of the most popular men in all of Israel at this particular time, and he can't even lead his own family and household. And I'm not sure what happened after that, but I'm sure there were some pretty dark days. By himself, single parent, supposed to be the leader. God told him to do this. It couldn't have been good. And in the middle of that, God speaks to him again and says, Go, Gomer. I mean, uh, Hosea, go and find Gomer. Go find her and get, what, and get this, and marry her again. Uh, hard of hearing again. Go, Hosea's like, excuse me, what? Uh, there's, surely uh, there's a bad connection here. There's a bad connection. This, how, do, how, many, how many would, if you put yourself in the story, realize he's a pretty special guy to do that? Again? Go through this Again? One time, two times, I'm crazy, I'm stupid if I do that. And he deserves a lot of credit, by the way. And in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, look in your notes, it says, The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves Israel. That You can put us in Israel, loves his people. Though they turn to other gods, as we talked about last week, the gods of this world, and love the sacred raisin cakes. It's really referring to the things of this world, the things we're enamored by, the surface things. In fact, in Hebrews, excuse me, Hosea 3.1, the New Living, it says, the people have turned to other gods and they love to worship them. Their affections are set on them. And what you need to know contextually is that Hosea is smack dab in this season of history, um, Israel is in a place of prosperity and blessing and grace and favor, and they're just, they just got it all going on. Things are going well. They're, they're fat cats, and they are finan- the affluence and influence of Israel is at a high, and their spiritual poverty is at a low, which is common with sometimes blessing and prosperity if we're not careful. And at this time, a major theme in Israel is love. But it had the philosophies of man all over it. Here's three kind of major themes or views of culture at this time, similar to today. They, that is Israel, the people of God, believed love can be purchased. You see these gods that we talked about last week, possession. The second thing is they believed love was and is the pursuit of self-gratification. Love is about pleasure for me, myself, 
and I, and the cultural view at the time as well was that they believed love can be found in inanimate things. Now today, I would call that a virtual love. We are trading in real love for a virtual love today. We would rather have an affair on a computer than have an intimate relationship with somebody God put into our lives. It's the same God surfacing again. And in this time, like he does in our time, God pierces through all the philosophies of man and the methods of man. He comes into that and he, and he really tries to make amazing contrast for us to be able to see the truth and reality of what love really is because the concept of love has become convoluted and diluted by the philosophies of man. We do it today. We say things like, love ya. Hey, bro, love ya. Hey, sis, love ya. Love ya. And I'm not against commentary like that. I'm saying it's good and it's encouraging and it's edifying. But sometimes we think that is love and we marginalize and minimize what love really is. And God comes into the middle of this culture and he comes into our lives as well to introduce to us that is not love is what he's saying. I want to show you and demonstrate to my people what and who brings love. Go and tell Gomer this. Look in her face, Hosea. When you find her and tell her she's amazing just the way she is. She can't, she can't do anything to make me love her more. She can't do something to make me accept her. There's nothing she can do to make me love her more than I love her right now. I want you to go and I want you to tell her that, Hosea. One scholar wrote, the other, other than the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, the story of Hosea and Gomer is the greatest example of love in all of Scripture. And it's, it's the gospel seen in the Old Testament revealed to us through the lens of the new. Hosea has to go and he has to look for her. If you can imagine what that would be like, a man of God has to go where men of God should never go. We would frown upon it in the church. He's a seer. He's a prophet. He's a man of the cloth. And God says, go. Go to the red light district. Go to the brothels. Go to the, the places of, where, of ill repute. I want you to go there, and I want you to find your Gomer. God, are you serious? Like, you, what? I, I, I would be like, I can't do that. Like, I got a reputation to maintain. I would be thinking about me more than I would be thinking about her. And, and, and just play this out. He had to go and talk to people in the industry. And I was thinking, what would this be like? Just trying to translate it, it, it for you or interpret it maybe better for you. It would be like, just imagine, a husband. And he's going into these places. And all he has is a picture to try to find her. How can I describe her to you? Have you seen, have you seen this woman? As he's going around and he's talking to people in the industry, if you know what I mean. I'm just trying not to be overly descriptive. Have you seen her? No, man, I haven't. Wait a minute. Maybe. Yeah, that that's my wife. I'm, I'm looking for her. I'm looking for her. Maybe he had to go as a man. Just think about this, men, women. Maybe as a man, he had to go to another man who had been with her and say, have you, have you seen her? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why? You want to know her? You want to see her? No, 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 you don't, no, you don't understand. That, that's not what I'm asking that. <laughs> that's my wife. Have you seen her? Dude, oh my gosh, man. I, I didn't know that. I, I, didn't know she, I didn't know she was your wife. No, that's, it's cool. I understand. I'm just, dude, I just have to find her. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what that guy would feel like. And I don't know as a husband what I'd feel like. But, but he, he, maybe the guy responds, just, yeah, yeah, but she's not here right now. Maybe he said something like, you know, she was. Some dude came in and was rattling, rattling up all these women and claimed her. What do you mean he claimed her? Some guy came in and took him. I, I, think she, I think she's a couple streets down. You might want to go down the road. And, and most scholars believe, theologians believe, that she was put up for auction on the selling block in front of everybody on display naked to be purchased for the gratifications of men. And Hosea arrives there. 
Now look at, write this down. Three keys I want you to remember. Because you're in this story, whether you know it or see it or not. He loves you so much. He, he'll do anything to keep you from, from staying where you are. He loves you so much, he will never leave you where you are to get you where you need to be. That's how much he loves you. In verse 2, it says, so I, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. And I can't do all this this morning to explain it, but 15 represents the divine energy of God towards humanity. And five represents the number of grace. And silver represents the divinity of God. And barley represents the humanity. And right there, these things collide. It's the gospel right there if we'll look at it. Divinity meets humanity. And humanity has a has a decision to make to receive the unmerited grace and favor of God or deny it. But God cannot deny who he is. And he comes to us that way. And he finds her on the selling block and in the middle of this auction. Going, you know, I'll take five pieces of silver, seven pieces of silver. People are raising their hands. Eight, nine, ten. Hold on! Hosea comes in. Picture in him. That's my wife. Can you imagine what could have come over Gomer in that moment as she's looking down a hollow, broken woman, hair matted, sunken eyes, bruised skin, filled with shame as she hears the voice of her husband on location calling out for his wife. The auctioneer doesn't care. I don't care if she's your wife. She has to be bought. There's a price for her. Who will take 10, 10, 15, the husband says, and more. I'll give five things of barley, a measure of wine, whatever you want. I'll take her. Sold. Sold. Auctioneer, you want me to clean her up? Do you want me to do something to make this better? Look, I mean, I understand she's not presentable right now, but we're going to make her. No. She's perfect just the way she is. There's nothing you can do to make me love her more on the outside. My love doesn't come from that. I love her. What could have happened to a person? What could happen to you and me if we saw ourselves in that story? We were all on the auction of sin. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And he had to buy her back. Number two, we are already his by possession, but we had to decide by association to be in relationship with him. All of us are his child. All of us are created by him, but not all of us have decided to be in relationship with him. We can move from a slave to sin as a son or a daughter if we choose to receive his love for us. We're all his. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. We're all his possession, but we all have to choose to be his by association. And Jesus did for us what Hosea did for Gomer. Jesus shed his blood on a tortured tool for humanity to save him. And he came down from heaven to earth to show us the way and to pay a price so that we could be with him forever. Jesus said to his father, I'll go. I'll find them and pursue them. I'll pay whatever it costs. And then God tells Hosea to renew his vows with her. <laughs> I couldn't have done that. But he did. In verse 3 it says, Then I said to her, You must live in my house now for many days and stop what you're doing. The prostitution. During this time, you'll not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. That's not what I would have said. I couldn't have done that. And what's amazing that right in the middle of this demonstrative expression of love, of grace and mercy, which triumphs over everything, God's spirit comes on Hosea and he begins to prophesy. And in verse 4 it says this, and he's prophesying about what would be to come. It says this, this shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince and without sacrifice, pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterwards, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. And he's not talking about David right here. David is a messianic stand-in here. They were yet to know Jesus at this time. They later called Jesus the son of David. Hosea is doing the best he can with the knowledge he has. But he was speaking of Jesus who was to come. I hope you guys are following this. That they will have a king. No, 
that's, that, that will change everything. And it says this, in the last days, those days that I believe we are in now, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. At that time, they trembled in fear of the Lord, but there was coming a day, and Hosea was there to prophesy about what would come, a new testament, a new covenant, a new deal, when people would just stand in awe of the goodness of God. And isn't it interesting that in Romans chapter 2, the second part of of verse 4, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads people to change. What will change people is is the soul loves of God. That people so love other people because they've been so loved by God. And in these days when that was written, it was a game changer. And he was telling them what was going to be happening. So who is Hosea? God is Hosea. Hosea means salvation, by the way. Who is Gomer? I am. You are. We are. Hosea means salvation. Gomer means completion. When those two collide, when, when, when Erdi Gomer, who is aware that they were on the auction of sin, experiences and encounters the undeserved grace of God, you are made complete. But you have to choose to accept it. Gomer had to accept the love that Hosea was bringing to her. And you I have to accept it too. But when we do something on the inside of you and of me, it just changes everything. When you realize that you are a gomer and you need God. And when you get that and when it hap- something happens to you, you're a different person. When Jesus was meeting with sinners and tax collectors and, 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 and people that others would look down on. The religious got upset in Matthew chapter 9 and, and it says this, and I don't know if it's in your notes, but they were all bent out of shape and they said, why does your teacher, speaking to the disciples, eat with such scum, the low lifes, the overlooks? And when Jesus heard what they were talking about, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, He said this, he said, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And he quotes from Hosea. And it says, I want you, I want you to show mercy. I want you to show goodness. I want you to show unconditional love. I want you to show people the way I am with you. I want you to be with other people. I don't want you to offer sacrifices. Your church attendance, your tithe, your service, it means nothing if you don't love people the way I loved you. And then he says, for I've come to call not on those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. No one is rescued who doesn't realize they're drowning. No one is saved who doesn't realize they need to be, they need to be surrendered first to be saved. It just doesn't happen. Jesus is saying, I'm your Hosea. And I've come into this earth, and I've searched for you, and I'm obsessed with you, and I loved you, and I'll pay whatever price. Now that you've received that, will you do the same thing? And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, look in your notes, it says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a, as a payment for our sin, a price for our sin. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Number three, when you understand what you've been given, you can't help but give it away. If you really get it, if you really get it, you can't help but give it. The soul loves. Something changes. And I stand here today, right now, literally, more aware of God's love for me than I have in a long time. You know, I was thinking about my story, and it's just my story. And I was having devotions yesterday and today, and I was reading from, this is not in your notes, but I was reading from uh, Luke chapter 7. And it's a story of of a woman, a sinful woman, a woman of ill repute, and she comes to anoint Jesus' feet while they're all sitting in there eating a meal. Many of you know the story. And she's wiping Jesus' feet with her tears, with her hair. And she pours an alabaster jar of perfume all over him that was worth an enormous amount and just worships Jesus. And she's just crying. She's just so grateful 
for, for, for God's love for her. She's overwhelmed by the soul loves of God. And everybody's kind of upset about it. The religious don't get it. And, and Simon, one of Jesus' spiritual sons, you know, needs some instruction. And Jesus decides, I'm going to give you some perspective. And he basically tells a, a story. He says, there was a man who loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. And neither of them could repay. No matter your debt and how you view your debt, you couldn't pay it. And, and so we, we all owe. The moral of the story is we all owe and none of us could pay. See, what, what happens sometimes is we read a story like this and we, we, don't, we look at the distinctions and the differences between me and somebody else and some of the similarities. And, and it goes on to say, so he, that is God in the story, kindly forgave them both. Isn't it interesting how quick God can forgive debt regardless of the amount? It just shows that if we can't, we don't have something right in here and get something right in the beginning. And he cancels their debts. And he says, who do you suppose loved him more than that? And Simon says, I suppose the one who canceled the larger debt. And then Jesus goes on to describe what this woman had done and how lavish her love was. And at the end he says, a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. And so we read the story, and here's the bondage, here's the bondage that I came into, is that I, I believe that those that love most are forgiven most. But that's really not the interpretation of the scripture. Listen to me. I believe that those who realize they've been forgiven much, love much, that's really not the interpretation of the scripture or what Jesus was trying to tell Simon. Actually, what he was trying to teach him was that those that think that they are better than others love little or love less. I pray to God you can catch what I just said. The truth is, we're all short of the glory of God. All of our works are filthy rags according to the book of Isaiah. There's none righteous, no, not one. And we stop comparing. Comparison will kill your revelation of God's love for you and your ability to love somebody else when you compare this way. But when you compare to the glory, the majesty, the perfection, the grace, and the mercy, and the lengths, the lengths of his love for you. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us by sending his one and only Son into the earth. How great is Jesus' love for you that he would get on the cross and pay a price for that which he already possessed because he loved you so much. When you get that, you're changed. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to, I want you to have a moment. Be very still, please, in reverence for God and the anointing of God. We're going to worship in just a second for just a couple of minutes. I don't know what you came to church to experience or what you came to expect, but this is what I was thinking. I felt like God was asking me this. Recently, I was listening to a message by Judah Smith, and it just, it just wrecked me. It wrecked me. Because when I understood this story and I saw it for what it really was, and I saw this forerunner, this minor prophet speaking the gospel so powerfully, but, but, the, but the question that came from this story was to me, which I, I believe is for you too, is will you go after the gomers? Listen, don't, don't answer. Just listen to what I'm saying. Will you go after the gomers if I asked you to? I think God is asking you that. Will you... Will you do what I ask you to do? Will you, will, you, will you go and try to find them? Would you pay any price to reach the Gomers? And I, it, just, it just wrecked me thinking about why won't I? Why don't I? What is in the way? And sometimes it's because I, I, I've been caught up in this comparison. I've been caught up in, you know, seeing myself here and seeing somebody else on that auction block. But I'm on the auction block. I'm on that selling block of sin. There are things that I've done that are shameful when I compare them to the perfection and purity of God, not to somebody else. The fact is, I'm a 500, not a 50. I'm, I owe as much as anybody else, and so do you. This church is in a special season in time. I mean the church universal and I mean Connect Community Church. A season of grace and favor. We've been empowered. We've been enriched. 
We've been, we've been encouraged. We've been strengthened. We have so much given to us. But we cannot respond, you know, like Israel did to the ways, the methods, and the philosophies of man regarding love. We must understand what God's love really is and give it away. Would you just close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He is something in you that just says, I'm in. I'm in. Whatever you want to do, God, whatever you want to say, however you want to use me, I'm in. That's it. That's your altar call. If you know that's you, don't wait. I want you to come right out of your seat. I want you to come right down here to the altar right now. You're just in on whatever God wants to do. He's ripping your heart out. He's expanding your capacity to receive love and to give it. If you know that you come right now, don't be ashamed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Just come right down to the altar. Give it up. Surrender your life completely to him. He's touching you. He's changing you. Just fill, just fill all the front. Just fill it. Just fill it. Just come quickly. Don't wait. There's not, there's not time. We need to redeem the time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This, this, this verse stands out so strong to me. It says, because you can fill the front. Don't be, don't be afraid. Come all the way over. Keep coming. Maddie and Richie, come over. Fill over here. Thomas, come over the other side here. Fill the front. I, need to, I want to talk to you all like in front of me. Praise the Lord. This, this scripture pops out in this last part of this chapter. It just says, because in those days, because of God's love, it says there'll be an awe of his goodness. I want something to happen inside of us, inside of our church, where just people go, wow, wow, they love so much. How do these people love like that? Why do they worship like that? Why do they sing like that? Why do they serve like that? Why do they give like that? How do they do that? Because they have encountered God's love. They realize he's loved them so much. We're not better. We're better off. Because we've, we've encountered the grace and favor of God for ourselves. Are you guys witnessing to what I'm saying? Are you, are you hearing that? Are you, are you feeling that in your heart today? There are so many souls on the selling block of humanity, but the church is is come, come to buy back and to redeem them, to help them, to be Jesus with skin on. Now maybe you're here and you've, you, need to, you need to meet Hosea. You haven't yet. You need to encounter him. You need to be in relationship with Jesus. Like he loves me like that and you know something's happened inside of you and you want to know him and you want to you be in relationship with him. You can, you can. You just have to accept his redemptive work. You just have to accept that he already bought you. You're his possession, but he also paid a price for you. But you have to accept his grace. And if you accept his grace, the Bible says you can be saved. And I'm not going to call you down front, but right there in your seat. And if you're listening online, you respond to the voice of God. He's knocking on your heart. If you know you want to, you, you don't want to walk out of here without knowing God on a personal level, I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Will you raise your hand and say, that's me? I don't want to walk out of here without knowing him. And being in a relationship with him. God bless you, sir. Is there anybody else that says that's me? God bless you, sir. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else that said yes, sir? God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. God bless you. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, pray this with me. And all of you in front, pray this. And then we're going to worship. And I'm going to dismiss you. Just say this. Say, Jesus, there's no place I'd rather be than here right now embracing your love I thank you that you came into this earth found me and paid a price for me I pray inside my heart that you would change me make me a new person save me in Jesus name Father, for every person that prayed that prayer, I pray that they're, they're a new person in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Those that already knew Jesus are being refreshed, and their heart is being enlarged, and their capacity to love because they're experiencing His love afresh today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, we're just going to worship for a second. And as we do, this is what I want to say before you go. Tonight, we have an SNL. You don't want to miss it. It's going to piggyback 
on this morning service. If you want to come out tonight, it's called help. If you need help, come on out. That's what we're going to do tonight. If you want to be baptized, please go to Guest Central and find out more information about baptism. I had to get that out of the way, but let me say this. Take a minute as we worship to this last song. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I just said, God, I can only, it's not, it's not taught, it's caught. You, you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then you'll be filled. So don't look at me, look at Jesus. I want you all to close your eyes. I will, if, if you feel comfortable, I want you to raise your hand, and I just want you to worship a couple, just couple choruses on this song. And I just believe the Holy Spirit's going to just, he's just going to pour into you a new love, a new love and grace for people. Amen. Go ahead, David. No place I'd rather be. Thank you, God. No place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather Come be. Come on, fall in love with God again. No place break, I'd rather break, break be. Break every curse. Break no through the callous. Break through, Lord Jesus, all love. the callous. No tenderize us, oh God. No Make us tender warriors be, Serving no a new king, a new covenant, a new testament, be. God. Thank no you for your love, your abundant love. Here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. Yeah. No place I'd rather be. Oh. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be, Lord. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be, Lord. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. Come on, sing one more time. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. We're just going to go out to worship. Um, some of you guys got kids. Please go get your kids. And get up get up on out here. Uh, I pray that you're blessed and you're coming in and blessed and you're going out. Please don't lose what God gave you today. Please give away what God gave you today. Hey, listen, come to church next week. Don't invite a friend. Bring one. Find one. Find a gomer. Reach out to them. Do everything you can to reach a gomer. There's so many out there and they're under your sphere of influence. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. You guys can worship if you want. One more time on that. I'll see you guys tonight or on the Lord's Day or a small group nearby. God bless you so much. No place I'd rather.